uh, with some time around the table together. And so uh, if you go ahead and make sure you have uh, your communion cup with you uh, and ready to go, I'm going to share some thoughts here on the front end um, as we gather around the table. Uh, And then following our our time of communion, uh, the younger children will be dismissed for kids' own worship. Um, and then we're going to enter into a, a time of prayer. And so we're uh, just really excited and thankful to be able to have this opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord together this morning um, as a family. But uh, as we um, prepare to take communion together, I, I wanted to just share a couple things here just to prepare our hearts and our minds um, as we gather around the table. There was a name uh, that was in the news this last week that had not been in the news before. Um, My guess is you probably never heard this name, and now you do know. Now he's a household name. Uh, But the name DeMar Hamlin, he's a professional football player. And he plays safety for the Buffalo Bills. And just this past Monday night, uh, just up the road in Cincinnati... during the first quarter of a football game, he tackled one of the Bengals' wide receivers. Now, it it looked like a routine football play um, until uh, shortly after the tackle, he suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed onto the field. Um, Thankfully, medical personnel were right there on the field, um, restored his heartbeat there on the field, Uh, And he was transferred to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he's been in critical condition uh, for most of this week. And I share that story with you this morning because um, our national media has surprisingly encouraged people to pray this week. We've been encouraged from everyone from CNN to ESPN to pray. Reporters, analysts, news anchors have called all of us to prayer. Perhaps you've seen this logo. The Buffalo Bills have this logo uh, all over their social media. It's been everywhere this week to pray for DeMar. Um, There was even an ESPN analyst who, during the live taping of a football show, stopped and prayed on live television. DeMar. It's really been a powerful thing. Sports fans, people from all over the world have united together as one this past week for the common purpose of prayer. Now, the the national media would never acknowledge this fact or put it in this way, of course, but we know, we know that people coming together for prayer is actually something that humans have been doing since Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 4 tells us that men and women began to call upon the name of the Lord in Genesis 4. And so people coming together to pray is not a novel idea. But in fact, it's one of the oldest practices of all humanity. 
It's just that it often takes something dramatic. It often takes a difficult circumstance. It often takes a crisis to remind us to come together to pray. Last year in our study of Acts, um, chapters 1 through 8, we learned that the early church designated time for prayer. They purposefully set aside time to pray together. And we see examples of this all through the book of Acts. For these early believers, prayer was not just something they did when there was a crisis. It was not just something that they did before meal. It wasn't just something they did to conclude a gathering time. They would designate specific times to pray. They would come together purposefully to call on the name of the Lord together. And so with that in mind, in that manner... A couple of years ago, the leadership team here at Southside decided that we would begin our calendar year as a church by designating a day to gather together to pray. And so in 2021, uh, we gathered and we used, if you recall, we used the the prayer model that's referred to as ACTS, A-C-T-S. And we use that adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication as kind of our guide to pray for that day. And then last year, in 2022, we used our mission statement as our guide. Well, this year, we're going to use the prayer in Acts chapter 4 to be our guide. And so, um, if you have your Bibles and you want to pull those out to Acts chapter 4... It's a prayer that I've called the church's prayer. It's tucked away at the end of Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 30. And it's the longest prayer recorded in the book of Acts. It's a wonderful example for us. It instructs us. It serves us as a great model for prayer. When I was, when I was preaching through this prayer last year, I shared a quote with you by a man named Ajith Fernando, and here's what he said about this prayer. He said, When we gaze at our sovereign God, we need to only glance at our problems. And I love that quote because it's exactly what the church does in this prayer. And it's what we're going to do with our prayer time this morning. We're going to spend time gazing at our sovereign God and glancing at our problems. Um, And four of our shepherds are going to use this model in Acts chapter 4, to direct our time. To begin with, uh, Brian Dyer is going to help direct our gaze at the sovereign God. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to address God as Father. In many of the other prayers in the New Testament, the church addresses God as Lord. But here, the church addresses God as Sovereign. And this is significant. It sets the tone for the entire prayer. They dress God as sovereign. That's it, sovereign. And the prayer reflects upon God as the sovereign God of creation, the sovereign God of Scripture, and the sovereign God of history. And then following their reflection upon God as sovereign, with that in mind, kind of based upon that great reality, living into that reality that God is sovereign, the church offers these three requests. In verse 28, 
The first request is for the Lord to consider us and take notice of our circumstances. You know, many times we simply need to know that the sovereign Lord sees us. And the request is for the Lord to look upon us, to take notice of our situation. And Chad Wadlington is going to pray with this request in mind. Also in verse 28, the second request is for the Lord to enable us to speak his name with great boldness, even in the midst of our circumstances. The request here is not to remove the difficulties from our path, but to give us feet for the path, to enable us, to give us boldness, to speak his name, even in the midst of our difficult circumstances. Keith Johnson's going to pray with this request in mind. And then lastly, in verse 29, the third request is for the Lord to stretch out his hand, to bring healing, and to show himself sovereign even over our circumstances. Nate Moeller is going to conclude our prayer time with this request in mind. Now, Luke tells us in verse 31 that when the early church prayed this prayer, God showed up. God shows up, and he quite literally shakes their meeting place. And so my prayer for this morning is just that God will show up that God will use this time of prayer to shake us up a bit, to stir our hearts, to fill them in a fresh way and with a fresh boldness. And so I'd like to to read these verses for us this morning. Beginning, uh, I'm going to read verses 23 through 31, so they'll just be before us. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know, before we enter into this time of prayer, we're going to gather around the Lord's table Uh, and commune with one another around the supper. And as we prepare to do this, 
I wanted to tell you this story. Perhaps you, you heard it, perhaps you, you didn't. But if you've been keeping up with DeMar Hanlon uh, in that situation, uh, this past Wednesday night, he woke up. And that was good news. And uh, on that Wednesday night in the ICU at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, one of the first questions he asked through writing on a little notepad next to his bed was, did we win the game? Isn't that amazing? Here, this guy's been fighting for his life for 48 hours. Still in the ICU, he still has a tube down his throat to help him breathe. And when he gets this first opportunity to communicate, he asks, did we win the game? He didn't know. It was on his mind. As he lay there fighting for his life, it's part of what he was thinking about. Did we win? He wanted to know. And here's the good news about God's sovereignty. No matter how dire your circumstance, no matter how difficult your situation becomes, we know who won the game. It doesn't have to be on your mind. We know. Jesus Christ came to the earth and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he now reigns there today as the exalted Lord to give us victory. I want to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes this about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us victory. So as we gather together on the first day of the week to take the bread and the cup, let us gather together to remember the one who won the game and gives us the victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to gather around this table, to commune together, to take this meal, to take this bread, and to drink this juice together. We are just so thankful for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, that we don't have to, no matter how difficult life becomes, and life gets difficult, no matter how hard life becomes, and life gets really hard, no matter how dire our circumstances we don't have to wonder who won the game. We are, we are thankful to be able to live into and to lean into 
the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And we gather the first day of every week for this important time to remember that the game has been won, that Jesus is victorious, and that through Christ we too have victory. So may we live in that. May we live in that this week. We remember today his broken body, the body that was given so that we might have victory. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray for the juice. Jesus, we remember you this morning, and we think back to that that night that looked like defeat. It looked like defeat. We had been there. We, like the others, would have run away. We would have left. We would have thought it was over. But we thank God in the words of Paul for what you have done, snatching victory out of defeat so that we might live with you forever. So we recognize, we recognize the difficulty and the hardship and the suffering that you experienced so that we might have victory, so that we might have life. Thank you. We praise you. Praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your character. You are so good. And then we also praise you for your behavior. You, you have done so much good. We just, we are overwhelmed by your goodness. But thank you as we remember and reflect on you today. We thank you, praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Heard the report. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, as we as a body start this new year, 
help us remember your sovereignty and your grace, which controls and heals all. You created all the heavens and the earth, yet died through Christ to save it. Help us focus on the magnitude of what you've done and continue to do. Understanding how great you are, being the creator and ruler of all, helps us as a body heal ourselves, embracing our limitations relative to yours and the need for the reliance on grace and hope provided through it. Times now are no different from when this text was written. We see rebellion in every direction. Help us be able to share this knowledge and assurance with our families, this family as a whole, and the community around us. In times of self-focus, help us turn back to you, knowing that someday all will be revealed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is beyond the azure blue A God concealed from human sight He tinted skies with heavenly hue O Lord, hear their threats you pray with me? Sovereign God and Father We pray for your kingdom to come in this world. We have brothers and sisters abroad who face physical harm for speaking the name of Jesus. The church meets in secret. Bibles are contraband. Believers are beaten, tortured, thrown in prison, and killed. Their commitments are tested by violence. And Father, it's hard for us to even imagine those kinds of threats. We read how somehow you caused the first church to have explosive growth under the same kind of persecution. Commitments were challenged in hard ways, and your people stood firm. It was amazing faith lived out loud. We pray that the story of our ancestors long ago be a source of courage and comfort to our brothers and sisters today facing those same challenges. Father, consider those circumstances. Protect them, convict the hearts of their oppressors, eliminate the violence, bring your rule to those parts of the world, and may their circumstances not be forgotten or ignored by us. They are our family, and may they be a regular part of our prayers. May their example sink into our souls and build in us a fortitude to choose you above all else and remain faithful. Sovereign God, in other places, the threats are intellectual. Mankind has gotten too smart for itself. We've thrown out your handbook on how to live flourishing lives and embrace the intellectual lies of our culture. That your ways are old, antiquated, obsolete. That our beliefs are just superstitions, projections of a deceived mind. Truth is no longer truth. It is no longer universal at all times in every place. We decide for ourselves what is good and what is beautiful, and there is no transcendence we acknowledge. Sovereign God, we have cast you away like a bad attitude, and we have become gods of ourselves. Our morality is adrift. We are without an anchor. Christian notions are dismissed as solutions. They are no longer accepted as discourse in the public square. In some places, they are no longer tolerated. They are shouted down, prohibited, canceled, threatened with mob violence. 
sovereign God, it is an intellectual unraveling at the seams. It threatens our ability as mankind to cooperate with one another. The foundation is disappearing on which to plant a firm foot to say that this is right or wrong, good or bad, wise or unwise. It threatens our existence as a country that made an agreement long ago that was grounded on your existence and your immutable laws, and now that virtue has served as our backbone to our civil existence is eroding away. Sovereign God, consider these circumstances and protect us. Convict our hearts of your truth. Eliminate the doubt. Bring back your rule in this world. May we not grow apathetic, agnostic, and be led astray into the indifferent, colorless ether of a godless world. May we not underestimate the power of an idea in right thinking. May this conviction be a regular part of our prayers. May, our, may these truths seek into our souls and build our fortitude to choose you above all else and remain faithful. Sovereign God, we live in a fallen world. We hurt, we cry, we lose relationships, suffer tragedy, we get old and ache, and perhaps worst of all, we watch others who suffer these earthly indignities powerless to help. They lose their minds to a stroke, to dementia, mental illness. They lose their bodies to disease, human trafficking, and old age. They lose their lives to cancer, addiction, abuse, murder, suicide. People who are disconnected, disadvantaged, and discriminated against, isolated in their homes without friends or family, homeless and on the streets. And it is a hurt that cannot be ignored, and we know you see it. It often brings lots of questions, questions about your sovereignty, your care, and your presence, and sometimes there are no good answers. Things are broken, Father, and we know that is not what you intended. You created a paradise, a place with every provision and advantage that we could have hoped for or needed, a place where you were there, wanting to walk among your children and enjoy your creation. But we chose a different path, a darker path. And we unleashed a life that would lead to so much pain and so much suffering, so many tears and so much hurt. Father, consider these circumstances. Forgive us from turning away from you and then blaming you for it. Convict our hearts that this world is not our home. Comfort us, give us peace in these times of trouble. Eliminate our doubt that Jesus Christ conquered death once and for all, that our last breath is not the end of the story. Put eternity into our hearts, may it sink into our souls, let it carry us through the valley of the shadow of death to an eternity waiting for us on the other side. In you we love and trust and place our hope, and we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Let's continue in prayer. Father, the rulers were astonished by the boldness of John and Peter. These were uneducated men. And how could fishermen speak to rulers and priests as equal? Did they not know their place? 
But the word tells us that they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Father, these fishermen had been endowed by their creator with a sense of dignity and power previously unavailable to them. You yourself had done what their social status, their vocation, and their education could not. You gave them value and boldness to proclaim the good news of your son among all people, even their enemies. The gospel, Father, has the power to reconcile people to one another, but more importantly, to you. For these early Christians, faith in your son, Jesus Christ, it was not an individual privatized devotion. No, it manifested itself boldly in the social and public square. It fundamentally changed the way people saw and embraced one another. And that power is needed today more than ever. Father, we live in a skeptical culture. People increasingly question your existence and the need of a Savior. But today, the skepticism goes even deeper. Increasingly, our society doubts when Christians, our institutions, our leaders claim to be vessels of God's love and mercy, and yet at times, we are missing the mark. At times, we're timid. And if the world can't see and verify the love of Christ's people, why would they ever believe the extraordinary claims about your son, Jesus Christ? May we be bold with our words. May our bold words be verified even better by our bold actions. Actions that not only stand firm on your truth, but also reflect the compassion and mercy of your divine character. For you yourself described yourself as the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Lord, help us not to view opposition to the gospel as something new or strange or unexpected, for you told us that we would have trouble in this world. Nor let us rage against those who may insult us, but as far as it depends on us to live at peace with everyone. Let us rest in the assurance that you're sovereign and your purposes will always prevail. We know that you've commanded us to love our enemies and to do good to those who persecute us, But sometimes we have forgotten that love includes strong virtues like boldness and courage. Lord, may we not be like delicate flowers seeking optimum conditions in which we can survive. No, may we be more like tempered steel that is strengthened by the unpleasant forces of heat and pressure. Knowing that it is trials, struggles, and losses in life that make us receptive to the most profound revelations about your character. Help us to remember whenever trouble comes our way that it is to be an opportunity for joy. For when our faith is tested, our endurance has a chance to grow, and so we must let it grow until it's fully developed so that we'll be strong in character like you and ready to handle anything. So as it was in the days of the early church, we must gather and pray not simply for protection or a safe hiding place, but for the divine boldness to accomplish the task of proclaiming your gospel. So how then is your people? Shall we pray in a world filled with terrible tragedies and difficult circumstances? Tragedies like school shootings, the atrocities of war even now in the Ukraine, and other horrible events around the world. Should we pray that you smite these evildoers and bring about a peaceful settlement? 
Or should we pray that you would return immediately and deal with these situations personally? Well, Father, your word has shown us how to pray. We should pray for our Christian brothers and sisters here in this country and those in regions across the globe. We should pray that the Lord would consider their threat against them and give them the boldness to stand faithfully in such evil and dangerous times. For often it is in the struggle that the authentic Christian witness shines so brightly and reflects the image of your Son, an image that the world so desperately needs to see. Just as soldiers are equipped and deployed into hostile territory, so too, as followers of Christ, Father, prepare us to boldly speak your name in a dark world. Our source of power is the same as that of the first century church. Our boldness to live as Christians comes exclusively from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Unless we are divinely empowered with boldness, we may face resistance. We may be tempted to deny you. Ashamed of your gospel, cower in fear and water down the message of your your truth. We need to be empowered with boldness by your spirit in order to be faithful. So, help us to courageously say yes to the spirit when he asks us to move outside our comfort zone. Help us proclaim your faith, our faith, and the gospel to those around us. Help us show integrity in our words and actions. Help us become vulnerable in living a life shared with other believers. Help us honestly address our own past failures and faults. And help us speak up when something is not right. Help us also to garner the strength and courage from the sacred community of fellow believers. While our relationship with your son right now is by faith and not by sight, It is to our advantage to gather with other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as we mutually exhort and build each other up. Particularly in times of difficulty, we should run to the community of believers in order to share our trials and to delight in each other as we lift each other up in prayer. Lord, this passage also teaches us that the early church often repeated your words back to you in prayer. And as they prayed, it was natural for them to quote your word verbatim, So let Scripture penetrate every aspect of our beings, and therefore it will affect how we speak, how we act, and how we pray. May we be dripping with Scripture like the early church so that our wills will be bent towards your will, so that our actions will no longer struggle against your will, but we will literally become your hands and feet here on earth. Lord, in union with your love, unite our work with your great work and perfect it. As a drop of water is poured into a river, it is taken up into the activity in the river, so may our labor become part of your work. So may those among whom we live and work be drawn into your love from our boldness to live and proclaim your name among them faithfully. It's in your Son, Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father in heaven, blessed be your name.
times of good, in times of pain and sorrow, blessed be your name. And Father, we call out to, to you today and we ask that you would stretch your hand of healing out to us today. Father, heal our bodies. Father, heal our hearts. Heal our nations. Father, heal your church. Father, we know that there are people in this congregation right now who are who are suffering, who are hurting physically. They're dealing with illness, disease, and pain. Father, we just pray for your healing for them. So many times in the ministry of your son, he would see people suffering, suffering from physical illness, and he would stretch out his hand to them, and he would heal them. Father, we pray for that healing today. Father, there are examples in this congregation right now where you have done amazing acts of healing. We just lift these individuals up to you and praise for the healing that has, has come through come through you, the power that you've, you've exhibited through these people. And Father, we ask that you would stretch out your hand of healing to our hearts. Father, you know the things that are in our hearts, even when we pretend that we are doing so well. You know the pain that we carry and the guilt. Father, you know You know the times when it's hard to forgive. All that stuff that we carry in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would heal it. You would lift it from us. Father, so many times our lips proclaim you, but our hearts are far from you. Father, we, we desire to be closer to you. We need your healing in our hearts. And Father, we pray that you would stretch out your hand of healing over our nations. Father, we see and, and we know the pain and the suffering that's caused when nations are in conflict and turmoil, you see the lives that are destroyed, the families that are torn apart. And Father, as a world, as a creation, we need your healing. We need your hand of healing. Father, we pray that you would stretch out your hand of healing for your church. Father, this congregation and the church spread to every corner of this globe. Father, we pray for healing for the church. So many times we are distracted, and we are divided, and we pray for your unity, Lord. Stretch out your hand of healing for your church. Father, we lift up the words of your servant David. We exalt you, Lord, for you lift us up out of the depths, and you do not let the enemy gloat over us. 
We cry to you for help, Lord, and you heal us. Lord, you bring us up out of the realm of the dead. You spare us from going down into the pit. We will praise your name, Lord. As your faithful people, we will praise your holy name. Father, we know that your anger lasts only for a moment, but Lord, your favor, your favor lasts for a lifetime. And Lord, there's so many nights where the grief and the sorrow and the suffering feel so long, but we trust and we hope and we are confident in your promise that rejoicing comes in the morning. Father, we pray that you would stretch out your hand for healing. Father God, throughout all of history, you have revealed your sovereignty through signs and wonders. You have exhibited your power and your love and your mercy, your goodness and your wisdom. And Father, we pray for that today with the confidence that the early church prayed for it. We pray that your power would come into this congregation and flow out through this congregation today. Father, we don't just pray for a dose or some small ration of your power, but Lord, we pray for a good measure pressed in shaken down and spilling over through the lives of these people in this congregation. Lord, Father, we lift this up to you with boldness, not because of who we are, not because of anything inside us that deserves this, but Father, we come before you because of the intercession and the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And Father, we lift up all of these prayers to you, In the name of your wonderful servant and son, Jesus Christ, amen.